Hey there, it's JVL on the Secret Show with Sarah Longwell today. We talked about we talked about everything actually. We talked about the Donald Trump is the presumptive renominee from the Republican National Committee. We talked about the stuff going on in Texas at Eagle Pass. We talked about whether or not it was sort of always a lie with the Republican Party, and we talked about some Mitch McConnell. Oh, and monster trucks. Here's the show. By the way, the, uh, the thing I wrote yesterday about the kid in New Hampshire on the Trump campaign who got thrown out of thrown out of the victory party. No, I'm sorry, I didn't. Oh my gosh! Just tell me about it. So this kid who was a uh, reasonably high up, I mean, for a youngster at uh, at the New Hampshire campaign. Wait, how old is this kid? You said kid. I was he just seven? graduated from law school. <laughs> so he's a man. He's a grown man. I'm not sure I'd go that far. We do have video of him. Anyway, he is an ultra MAGA Trump believer, and he was at the victory party in New Hampshire, and he ran into Alina, what's what's her last name? Hababa? Hababa? Ali Ababwa? From... I will, the, I will, I will start singing. I'll start right. So uh, he runs into her, and they get an ussy together, and he puts it right out on Twitter. And this is a problem because she has just the day before said to the judge, "Hey, I can't do, <coughs> I can't do court today. I can't do, I can't do justice because my parents have COVID and I feel terrible. I might have COVID too." And then here she is in her fur coat at the party, and this kid has <laughs> just posted it. And so somebody freaks out in the Trump campaign, and they go and they find this kid and they throw him out. And he videos himself as he is being escorted out by security, saying, I knocked on 12,000 doors for President Trump. Nobody in this building loves him more than I do. How dare you do this to me? How, this is how they treat the, the most loyal people in his orbit. How, how dare they? And uh, it's a little, I mean, you know, I just don't get it because they're all going to keep Voting for, right. I mean, everybody sees that this is what happens. The minute you cause him the slightest inconvenience, you get you get thrown out of the party. Mm-hmm. That's okay. You know, if history has taught us anything, it's that when uh, out-of-control revolutionary movements run by madmen sweep to power, they never eat their own. That <laughs> never happens. They're always incredibly loyal to everybody who comes behind them. And you never wind up in the, on the, the guillotine. Uh, so long as you're with Robespierre, you're good. My favorite part of that story is that I did not know that the term of art was an ussy. Yeah. Well, it's not a selfie, right? Uh, selfie. I thought you just, just said, you. let's take a selfie, like, together. Not, I've never heard somebody use the phrase ussy. It's not, it's not really a selfie, is it? If his, <laughs> if his us is an ussy. Uh Okay, so that's that's item number one. Item number two, Mitch McConnell, the sad turtle, has killed, oh my gosh, has killed the Ukraine aid slash immigration reform package. The politics that, changed, JVL. Because the politics have changed, and they cannot do anything to, to hurt their nominee, because they must... They must achieve power. He just said it. Yeah. While he has his people from his own conference 
sitting and negotiating on this stuff, like trying to come out. He just like, no, we got to kill this. And like, I, and he has senators who want it, yeah. like who are working hard on it. Yeah. And Mitch McConnell, who, by the way, you know, we make a lot about Ted Cruz and the way that Trump called his wife ugly. And then Ted Cruz was like, thank you, Mr. President. May I have another? I love you. Mr. I President, you. you're right. She's so ugly. But uh, <laughs> this is, I, I don't know if it... I don't. I've never understood the racial slur around Coco Chow. Uh, I mean, I guess I understand it is a racial slur, but I don't really understand the point of it. But in any right. event, we understand that he means it as a racial slur. We just <laughs> do. don't understand what is slurry about it. Because I think of cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. I think of the breakfast cereal. Coco. Yeah, I don't know. I don't or know Coco why. Chanel. Right. Uh, well, whatever. I'm sure he means it as a as a anti Asian. Sure. Uh, so the. But, and so Mitch McConnell, after his wife resigned from Trump's cabinet because of January 6th, Mitch McConnell said he was responsible, didn't impeach him, insults his wife with racial slurs, calls Mitch McConnell an old crow, and Mitch McConnell's like, yes, sir, we will not do a border deal or fund Ukraine so that you can win the presidency. Both of which are things that Mitch McConnell objectively wants. This is, I, treasonous is not the word. Hold on, he he wants the deal and he doesn't want Trump to be president. He wants, well, he, no, no, no. He wants the deal because he wants to aid Ukraine and he wants to get the Republican immigration items. Right. So he He wants wants both of the things that are on the deal. Yes. But he also wants Trump to be president. Does he? Clearly. I mean, I guess, yeah, that's power. true. I, so I just can't imagine isn't the right word. But what is the right word for if I was going to say an anti-patriot? Because this is a guy who, I mean, this is like the definition of anti-patriotism. He has this thing in front of him that he believes is good for America and that is important for the world. This this deal. Um, he believes that it is vitally important for the world and for America's interests to have Ukraine defeat Russia, and that it's vitally important for America to get control of our out-of-control border. But he wants power more. And not even power for himself. He wants power for the Republican Party, which barely exists anymore, Mitch. But um, that's what that's what he wants. And he's willing to sacrifice things which are he believes are objectively good for America in order for his party to hold power. And I don't know what the word is for that, but it's despicable. It's utterly despicable. Yeah, Mitch McConnell is one of these weird figures where I loathe him, but every now and then I'm like, ooh, but you might do the right thing because you've still got it inside you somewhere that like you did this for a reason and some of these things matter and you have actual principles until push comes to shove and he maintains none of them. Somebody saw, I saw like a random comment on X or something where they were like, yes, yeah, Sarah, you always defend Mitch McConnell as a master strategist. And I was like, do I, I mean, Mitch McConnell is good at politics. Uh, and, and he is vicious at politics. Like he is a clear-eyed pragmatist is too nice a word. Um, because he will do things like, Oh, is it time for you to nominate a Supreme Court justice? Too bad. 
He will do, you know, he, and he will reverse positions on that. Uh, that's though, is even different than this, right? Like that is kind of the calculating, uh, steel guts, like partisanship, uh, that is the gamesmanship of politics. Uh, and that's bad because it creates the kind of enmity that now defines our politics. But that's not like this. This is like, because when you say these are things that he wants, but it's much more than that. This is, you're going to leave the Ukrainians to die. You're going to oh, yeah. do what Putin wants. Like people, people that we know we want to help. Our enemies are attacking them. You've been on the side of this your entire career, and you're going to hang them out to dry for the guy who called your wife Coco Chow? And for who you think is a dangerous person who shouldn't be president, but it is important for your tribe to hold power. Like, that's the craziest thing. It's the craziest damn thing. Sometimes I think about, you know, the evolution. There's this like in that Darcy piece and in um, one of the other pieces that I was skimming before this because you want to talk about it. There's obviously like the never Trump thing now has been going on for a long time. Uh, And a lot of people are talking about Nikki Haley's kind of last gasp here as the end of never Trump, because originally... Never Trump was us being Republicans, right? Maintaining sort of our tribal Republican and, and ideological for ideological reasons, but also this was the world we moved in for a very long time. But the evolution has been watching, right? We wanted to separate Trump from the Republican Party, right? right. We wanted to, even I, up until 2020, thought, okay, if you get rid of Trump, if you beat him, there will be like enough muscle memory in the Republican Party to return to something sane. Uh, and it, it, after January 6th, I, I knew that wasn't true. Like at, when I watched Kevin McCarthy go down, like that's when I really started to be like, okay, all of these guys. Um, and, and we'd Woke seen Sarah the Longwell. Well, it's not, that's not it. It's just, it's been a, um, it's been an education and eye opening to watch how people will allow themselves to become complicit over time. Uh, like Mitch McConnell has been warmed up into this point. And I got in a fight with um, John Podhoretz over at Commentary because for some reason, you know, I was given shit to Sununu as I was I want to do because there's nothing that makes me matter than a normal, sane Republican saying that they will endorse Trump or arguing that the reason not to support Trump is not that he's a 91 that he's 91 felon, you know, felonies against him or that he tried a coup or that he's a bad person, but because he'll lose, because he'd be bad for the party's political power. And so I was uh, criticizing him and John Podhoritz was like, oh, Sarah, name something that you like about the Republican Party or name something that you agree with the Republican Party with. And I was like, it was a, it was a funny attack because it reminds me that how tribal people are and how much they still want to force us to be on side in some way. And I can rattle off a number of things and, and like, I don't know, uh, around energy policy, around the debt, around, uh, foreign policy, our aid to Ukraine, standing up to Russia, like any number of things that I would 
have said were sort of traditional Republican policy. But even there, what what's Republican about it anymore? This yeah. is not this isn't woke. This is about having watched now the total and complete morphing of the Republican Party into a Donald Trump vehicle. And that includes Mitch McConnell and Marco Rubio and John Cornyn. Um, you know, Nikki Haley isn't it's like it's not even the last gasp of never Trump. It's just the, I don't even, I don't know what I'd call it. What would you call it? It's like this moment where we, where it's, it, cause it's not the last gasp for us. Cause I think we know, we know that the Republican party is being subsumed. I think it's the point at which a whole bunch of other people realize that this is Trump's party. Like we are close political observers. So we've understood for a long time that the Republican party has been, slowly being taken over completely by Donald Trump. But now it's undeniable for him to get renominated in a rout. Uh, the is, biggest victory in the history of primary politics. Right. I mean, that, that's just what it is. Uh, I what What I struggle with is, so Mitch McConnell understands that the party is Trump's party. He understands that it is no longer committed to any of the things that he was committed to five minutes ago. He understands that Trump is bad and dangerous. And he understands that actually Trump is more opposed to many of the things that Mitch McConnell said five minutes ago were important to him than Biden is. Things like America's robust foreign leadership in the world, et cetera, et cetera. And yet McConnell can put all of that aside because he thinks it's just more important that the Jersey holds the power. And that's the, that's the thing that I really struggle to get my head around because I like, if that's really all you think, then what the fuck have you done with your life? That's it, you're right? Like, like what this is, this? is eighty years old, and he's getting to this. You know, and then you look back at your entire life. What were you in it for? I was just in it for the jersey, right? I'm just rooting for the clothes, as Jerry Seinfeld said. And I don't, boy, that is a. I mean, that's that's pretty pretty cynical, bleak, right? Bleak. What? And like, did you? You pledged allegiance to America. Like, I, this border stuff is insane, too. Just the extent to which the border has been demagogued. And this is where Democrats, if you cannot, if Joe Biden can't go out there and hang this around their neck, the Republicans are refusing to secure the border while Democrats are trying. Uh, I mean, let's go. Let's go. And hanging around Trump's neck, too. Yeah. The reason they're refusing to do it is because Trump doesn't want to do it. And this is why you can't elect Trump, because... Don't think America's going to know. America's not going to know unless you go tell them. They will think it is Joe Biden's border problem. I sure hope so. I, I hope that they are able to let, let him know. I would say... So last night on the show, Joe Perdicone, man, Joe... So here's the deal. It was me, A.B. Stoddard, and Joe Perdicone, and Joe was the darkest one. <laughs> Joe was in a I mean it was it it was a very dark Joe Perdicone we saw last night about what uh about the state of everything in American politics I mean he, he was just like 
I've been I, I now believe that uh, the Republican Party has absolutely no interest in governing and they are going to do everything they can to stop this bill. I mean, so the question here for you I have is, can can Schumer get to 60 votes in the Senate to override the filibuster so that he can then push this thing in front of the House and make the House Republicans vote against it? I don't know if he can get 60 um, not we sat there McConnell. last night. AB, AB picked out eight of Tillis, them. Tillis? She could, oh, who were her she, eight? She so, named, so uh, Collins, Murkowski, Tillis. Okay, well, Romney. Uh, I wonder who, maybe Lankford. I think he was one of them. So that's a real, I mean, that, that's a real question to make. And, and I think that's important. Maybe it's not important. Maybe it doesn't matter. No, it is important. To, it is important. But it seems like it makes Biden's lift heavier. Or lighter, rather, if he can get this bill out of the Senate, even though it'll fail in the House. Might it? I, I don't know that that's true. Uh, just because the Republicans have the majority, they, the majority is down to nothing. Yeah, it's possible, I guess. It's possible if they can if they can pick up one person. Yeah, if they can pick up 10 votes or nine votes in the Senate, I bet they can get five in the House. Uh, I got a question for you, Sarah. If uh, aiding Ukraine can be destroyed by the filibuster, should we keep the filibuster? Because that that is then saying we are we are prioritizing the filibuster over the actual lives of real human beings in Ukraine who are going to be slaughtered by our enemies. Well, you could always argue that about the filibuster. No, I know, but I mean, like this is a like again. I say, do we really want to hold on to this thing? Like it seems like it's. A real, I mean, look, it, it is always meant as a break. But there's a difference between being a break and being an obstruction. Filibuster. Did you lower it to 55? Filibuster's not going anywhere. I am not even going to have this okay. like, fake fight with you. Um, no, I'm just asking questions, Sarah. Yeah, I know you I'm are. I'm just asking questions. I know. Uh, it was early on a Friday morning to do filibuster talk, but the it's not going anywhere. So. Okay. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, they and he, the thing is, they can get sixty, and Maybe. also the Republicans are going to be in the majority in the Senate next mm-hmm. year. So you can, and then yeah. you, you see, you break it for one vote, and then let's still see how you like it. I look. If we're going to break it, I think we should have broken it a long time ago for HR one. I'm not saying we should break oh. it now, but uh, no, I know see, that would it's be like, me asking you to fight. You really want to go back? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. That is um, routinely considered now the biggest overreach and the dumbest policy move that Democrats made in the early Biden term. No. Everybody regrets it. Build Back Better is the big overreach, right? Build Back Better didn't happen. Yeah, but the infrastructure bill happened. Right. But Build Back Better was the event. Well, whatever. It doesn't. They should have done it. Everything was overreaching. Um, okay. Uh, Eagle Pass. Have you followed the border standoff between Texas and the federal government? At Eagle Pass, Tejas. Only because Ted Cruz is tweeting barbed wire and as best I can tell what they're talking about succeeding, seceding. So what seems to be going on is Texas has taken over a section of the border to do its own thing. And the Homeland Security Department is trying to get to this place and see what's going on. And... 
Texas has put up fencing and razor wire to prevent the federal government from going to see what it is doing. This has gone to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled in favor of the federal government. And uh, Greg Abbott has said, how many divisions does the Supreme Court have? Oh, my God. Though, yeah, I saw this. Chip Roy said just ignore the Supreme Court. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, this is a complicated legal question. Neither of us are lawyers. We're not going to solve this here. But on the one hand, I think to myself, you know, there's there's a progressive columnist who tweeted, this is, this is the new Fort Sumter. Biden has to go in and federalize the National Guard and break the razor wire down, blah, 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 blah. And I... I think that's probably unwise if it is at all avoidable. On the other hand, allowing states to to use force to exclude the federal government from the duties that belong to the federal government or are the purview of the federal government on the pretext of like, this is an invasion. And so you don't get to you don't get to enforce federal law anymore. Texas state law supersedes federal law. That is an inversion of the Constitution. And, uh, boy, howdy, that's like, there are dragons out there if this stands. And I don't, I mean, I actually think Greg Abbott does know what he's doing on this. I think this is all part of like, this is the civil war cosplaying, but this is a dangerous, dangerous step. Yeah. I understand when people don't like laws, uh, federal laws, uh, but like, it is becoming more fashionable for people to say things like just ignore the courts. And like, I don't know, but like the step after that is that there's an absence of the rule of law. Like we cannot like the courts, but if you That's just That's what integration courts, was, right? I mean, that, that is li- the last time we were here was in integration when Southern governors tried to ignore federal law and National Guard troops were sent in. That is That is the analogy. That's... That's the last time we were in this place. That's bad. It's really, really bad. And I think the Biden administration is to, to it deserves a lot of credit for not pouring gasoline on the fire here. Biden is not out there tweeting about it. They are working through the courts, right? He didn't just like send the Homeland Security to say, look, just, you know, bold, pull your guns and, and head in and drive over the razor wire. Uh, working through the courts, trying to bring the temperature down. Like, it's just another case of Joe Biden being a good president. I'm sorry. Um, and uh, and he's to be commended for that because this is dangerous, dangerous shit that Greg Abbott is playing with. And all the other Republican governors are supporting him. Maybe not all. Maybe it's all but two. But the majority of the Republican, the Republican Governors Association is largely with Abbott on this. And I just don't. It is insane. These people are sitting around playing with lit matches at a gas station. Let me, have a, let me ask you a question. <clears throat> and I'm not saying this to be combative, and I genuinely, <clears throat> excuse me, don't know the answer. What is the sanctuary states? Mm-hmm. Isn't that an attempt just to not abide by the law? So this, okay, so there is an important distinction here. So uh, like marijuana laws, right? There, there have been states that said, we're not going to enforce marijuana laws. Uh-huh. There are sanctuary cities, sanctuary states, but that is different. That is not stopping the federal government from enforcing the laws. It is the state government saying, if you guys want to enforce federal law, you come in and do it. 
we're not going to enforce the federal law on this. Now, I think that's very bad myself. Yes. Uh, I've been against that. But that is a whole, it's an entirely different question from we are going to use physical force to prevent the federal government from pursuing the execution of laws. Like that, that really is close to secession. I mean, that, I don't know what else you'd call it, right? So what, every, every state gets to decide what its laws are. And uh, if the federal government comes in to say, you can't do that. I mean, as a, for instance, uh, if Texas passed a law saying that any woman who, uh, <clears throat> any woman who ha- gets an abortion is going to be subject to the death penalty and, uh, this somehow conflicts with federal law and, you know, Supreme Court says, no, you can't do that. And Texas says, well, we're going to do it anyway. And what's the next step, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but this is where we've been headed with Trump from the beginning, right? This is what I, one of the things I was terrified about in 2020 and which I'm very concerned about in 2024 is like, what happens if Trump gets a ruling that he doesn't like as president and then finally realizes no my hold is pretty pretty tight i don't have to worry anymore just do it who's going to stop you right and that yeah. point how are you going to get me out of the white house what are you going to do how many divisions does the supreme court have right and uh good luck man i mean that's it's very bad thank god joe joe biden is president he's really good go ahead yeah. He's, he's, God, yeah. you want to say it. You want to say it. He's done a pretty good job as president. Yeah, he's doing fine. I think he's a fine president. We don't argue about this. I don't think he's, I don't think he's the, I don't think he's the greatest president. I think he's fine. He is <clears throat> wildly preferable to the alternative and he's also fine. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not mad all the time. He does some things I don't like. Just put out, uh, I think they're going to stop natural gas exports. All right. I'm just going to, I'm only doing this to, to troll you. You don't really have to answer this, but of the presidents in your adult lifetime, if you had to rank them from best to worst, where would Joe Biden rank? If he beats (laughs) Trump a second time, I'll rank him very high. (laughs) If he doesn't, I'll rank him very low. Fair. All right. So uh, here's the other thing I want to talk to you about. Best president of my lifetime is George H.W. Bush. Mm, Well... Yeah, man. That tells you something, doesn't it? <laughs> right? But, I mean, the, the fact that the best president, most effective president of our lifetimes, the guy who didn't win, the, the, didn't win re-election. That's, that's awesome. what third parties will do to you. Uh, okay. So I want to read to you a passage from David French's piece yesterday, which is yeah. so good. So good. Uh, he talks about what he believed the Republican Party meant. Back in 2014. So not, you know, 10 years ago, not, not forever ago. And he says, 2014 uh, is actually 10 years ago. Right. I'm saying it's only 10 okay. years ago. Not, okay. Not yeah. a, you know, we're not talking about. Well, sometimes it feels ago. like it was just a couple years ago and it actually turns out it was know. a decade ago. So he says the Republican party was a commitment to character and distinct conservative ideology. And here, I'm just going to read two paragraphs for you. Okay. Okay. Here's, this is David, not me. 
The ideology revolved around the three legs of the Reagan Republican stool, limited government, social conservatism, and a strong national defense. The commitment to character was born out of the political conflicts of the Clinton years, in which conservatives were furious that Democrats were willing to overlook or rationalize disgraceful and unlawful behavior by Bill Clinton. No one would claim that every conservative had character. We've seen too far, far too many scandals to believe that, but I refuse to believe that the GOP would broadly excuse, rationalize, or defend a Bill Clinton in our midst. I wasn't just wrong. I was completely embarrassingly wrong. The winds were shifting. I could sense it, but I didn't fully understand it. Not until Trump made it all plain. The salient characteristic of the Republican Party wasn't ideology or integrity, let alone both. Rather, it was animosity. So this is, we've, we've talked about this before. I think that that is clearly correct. Mm -hmm. I don't think that it's even possible to dispute today. But I would ask, when do you, th did the winds shift and change or that's wrong? Of course, the winds shift and change. Everything is always changing. Everything's always in motion. But that animosity didn't come out of nowhere. And maybe it wasn't even the recessive trait. Maybe that was actually right there in front of us all along. And we invented a bunch of the other stuff to rationalize it. Or because the other stuff existed, we were able to rationalize the animosity away. Maybe that's the better way of putting it. Because there were commitments to strong national defense and limited government, we were able to say, well, see, that's where the animosity comes from. It's because they, be it's because they believe in these other things. When we, the truth was that the animosity, it worked the other way around. The animosity was there, and we built things like strong national defense and limited government as a scaffolding around it to, to explain the animosity and support it. And, and by we, I'm talking about like the intellect, conservative intellectuals from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and not like the rank and file, right? The conservative intellectuals were doing their thing. And it turns out they were completely out of touch with what actual conservative the the people thought that's my thesis i just want to put a quarter in the machine and here you go disagree hey sarah do you know there's there's actually more of the show oh yeah. there is how much more there's more so much more all of the more it goes on for hours if people want to get the rest of the show you, you know what they have to do right I think they have to go to Bowler Plus. Do they have to subscribe? What do they yes, have to do? Yes, they have to pay us money. Oh. Good. Pay that man his money. And go uh, to thebulwark.com and subscribe to become a member of Bulwark Plus. All the good stuff's on the other side. Bye. Bye.